Radio Free Topag Thanksgiving edition where Donovan doesn't have a mic stand. So his mic's stuffed through a Nalgene bottle and he's talking through a five-year-old wool sock as a pop filter. And that's me, I'm Donovan. And Arthur uh, is a hollowed-out husk of a retail man, and I'm Arthur. Yeah, no kidding. How are you? Hang- I mean, it's not even... The black day hasn't even arrived. Well, how are you? How are you hanging in there? Funny you should say that because Black Friday prices started on Sunday this year. Okay. In an in an attempt to spread out the crowds, they have made Black Friday six days long. <laughs> How's that working out? Hellish. People... <laughs> Hellish. I'm absolutely shocked that a giant retail conglomerate would not be handling this in the best way. Yeah, we get Thanksgiving off though. That's kind of cool. That I'm surprised by, too. That is actually, you know, bare minimum, but right on. Yep. So uh, That's something. Hey, I'm barely alive is where I'm at. <laughs> We're going to undesiccate you, Arthur, and uh, I have my alternate drinking water solution because the Nalgene is my mic stand, as I mentioned. And uh, between our incredibly hydrated, bloated even corpses with the amount of water we're going to be drinking. We're, uh, we're introducing our guest this week, who is Kumar's Salahi uh, from the podcast Delete Your Account. What's going on, Kumar's? Oh, not a lot. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, you know, I uh, am actually, I have to say, uh, I, I didn't know about you guys until you invited me. And in just the few days since then, I've become a, a big fan. So, oh, well, thanks very much. We love to hear that. We do. Yeah, we've uh I've, I feel like we've been starting to pick up a little bit of traction recently. Uh but we we have been doing this for for two and a half years. It's just, I think it's only been kind of recently we've been getting been going hard with the guests. That's that's how it happens. Slow and steady uh you know, I I I find that it it doesn't always win the race in life, but in podcasting <laughs> people come to respect it. I feel like that's the move too, because as soon as you like, especially if you start out and you're like, "I'm gonna be the number one podcast," I feel like you're gonna stress the hell out of yourself, and it ends up becoming kind of, I don't know, a little more of like a job than something I'm enjoying doing. So I, I, I feel that. I feel like that's kind of the the best way to stick with it, is just kind of organically grow out as opposed to burning out, which I would probably be quick to do. Uh, speaking of doing things organically, uh, I have found a- an article that uh, is going to help everybody that listens to this program uh, survive their, their Thanksgiving dinner, because uh, you never know what to talk about, right? You, you're sitting there around the table, and there's just an awkward silence falls over the table. So this Saturday Evening Post article is 10 other conversation topics for Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to run through a couple of these uh, because it's seasonal and we're here together having a conversation, so why not? Uh, the proper way to cook a turkey. Always, always fertile ground for conversation. This, this, <laughs> one, this one drives me insane. Auto maintenance. Oh, yeah. how, do you, how do you just pivot <laughs> to auto maintenance at the dinner table? I think this is inconceivable to us because this is what people are talking about when they say that, you know, there used to be some kind of unity in this country and we used to be able to agree on, like, (laughs) you know, the basic important things and argue about dumb shit like this. I guess it's true. 
You know, racism is good, but, like, what's the right way to fix your carburetor? Right. I just like the idea that you would turn to, like, your seven-year-old nephew and be like, so what do you feel about the different parts manufacturers these days? You got a favorite you could recommend? Well, I think that says something really sad about the state of masculinity these days. (laughs) Uh, I just want to hit a couple more of these. There's sports, of course. Uh, uh, This one suggests that you just share funny animal photos and other memes. This is so funny, because this is something that Fox News has been doing for quite a long time. There's especially (laughs) one particular uh, uh, host, uh, Greg Gutfeld, who's like shtick, among other things, uh, is to play animal videos all the time. He used to do it on a 3 a.m. show with like random New York comedians. And it kind of, it has a hypnotic effect. And I'm starting to see kind of like the truth of, somebody wrote an essay before about like cupcake fascism, and it was like this big... Uh, joke, and I honestly don't understand the full argument, but there's something about the appeal of that primal cuteness that is disarming, and I, I, I'm not going to discount it as a, a, a really serious weapon in, in anyone's arsenal in the meme war. <laughs> That's true, too, because something like that flies under the radar. Like, if you're seeing cute animals, the last thing on your mind is is typically fascism. And that that is fucking horrifying. Like, how are you going to co-opt you know, just fun online cat videos for that. The cats wouldn't want that. That's not cool. <laughs> cats <laughs> against white supremacy. That's yeah. right. It is a well-known fact that cats are Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's true. I just, just one more I want to mention here. This article suggests that you discuss how escrow works at the dinner table. What? <laughs> There's ten, there's the top ten things to talk about in escrow. <laughs> Take a room full of, adult, of adults. Ask them how escrow works. Sit back and enjoy a number of answers equal to the number of adults present. That may sound like a <laughs> recipe for chaos, but no one really argues about the topic because nearly everyone is unsure of their understanding of the concept that they are unlikely to take a strong position in it. Wait, I'm just just to be clear, we're talking about like embryonic stem cell research, right? <laughs> I think they're talking about like buying a house okay. and then the money goes into escrow. See, I don't know how it works. Maybe they're right. <laughs> it's like a third party hangs on to some funds. And then when you make the deal, they hand it over to whoever's getting paid. Right? Yeah, that sounds right. Nice. What, I what could possibly be controversial about that? <laughs> Right, it's just like the people arguing over the definition of things. <laughs> I mean, I guess that works, though. I just think the end result of that is people are just, like, not going to talk at all. Because who's, like, eating turkey and is, like, escrow and auto mechanics? That's what's the top of my mind. Uh, and I guess the silence Thanksgiving is preferable for some folks. But I mean, uh, this sounds like fucking, like, it was written by one of those, like, right-wing sports dudes. It sounds like, like, Dave Portnoy <laughs> sat down and wrote, well, what do I like to talk about? And <laughs> just kind of... <laughs> Here's how, to, here's how to tell your fucking, you know, your niece with blue hair who just came home from college to shut the fuck up. Right. That's funny. You're just so entrenched in, in fucking capitalism and normie culture that the only thing you do for fun is put things in escrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the kids will love this. You guys ever get into, you know, escrow? You know what that is? Escrow. Is that anything? Escrow? Yeah. 
It could be like a scrote in Spanish, potentially. <laughs> That's a right. Scrot- it's the Latin root. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I hope that put everybody in the Thanksgiving spirit on this particularly strange and not happening Thanksgiving. Right. Uh, but so we're, we're bringing you Thanksgiving uh, dinner energy if you had a cool family. <laughs> and you had three cool uncles named Arthur Donovan and Kumars, and they're going to help you with your relationships. <laughs> That's right. Let's before say we, that with the Before we get into the questions, though, I, I know we came in hot on the Thanksgiving. Kumars, do you want to talk a little bit about your show, uh, who you are, just kind of introduction? Oh, well, um, I am a bon vivant, a man about town, and a, a noted adventurer. <laughs> no, I am none of those things. I, uh, I'm i a huge nerd. I do uh, delete your account Weekly, uh, uh, with the occasional monthly uh, bonus episode with uh, my great friend, the co-host, uh, the journalist, currently lives in Australia, uh, but she is a, a proud Texan-American, Rokea Shamsadine, and, uh, and, and a, a producer who, who prefers to remain nameless, but is a, a wonderful man deserving of great praise in his own right, and... Uh, We've been doing it for five years now. It's so almost. Damn. And, uh, you know, we we try to resist the sort of the eternal temptation of podcasters, which is just to, you know, have your friends on every week. Sometimes we do. But we like to talk to organizers doing the work, if you will. And I know you will. And so recently we, for example, talked to – this is a one that's a little bit out of left field – the writers of a – kind of a, a role-playing game, sort of a, an online or, or, or mobile novel app um, called Lovestruck. I don't know if you've heard of this. I hadn't heard of it. but I, 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 it, it, it's, it's apparently it's big in Japan, as they say, and here now. <laughs> and uh, so it's Voltage, which is a Japanese company, uh, and it uh, has a U.S. subsidiary, and the workers there were getting screwed, even by video game industry standards, which is pretty bad. And so they actually... Uh, organized and became uh, the uh, uh, first game workers to strike successfully in the history of the industry. Good for and, uh, and uh, you know, stuff like that is, is, is historic and yet people don't really pay attention to it. And they prefer to, you know, prefer to like, you know, honestly talk about how horrible everything is, which is like fine to a point. But there's times when people really need help. Like there was really no coverage of uh, the disaster relief effort in uh, uh on, on and al- along the gulf coast from hurricane laura and and some of the other weather events that were happening around there uh dsa uh, southwest louisiana uh was doing some pretty fucking admirable and innovative given the circumstances of covid disaster relief and mutual aid work and uh and we had some uh of their members on to talk about that we talked to uh, uh this is always going to be one of my favorites uh, Cooper Carraway, who's a labor organizer, banned the far right from just, you know, just kind of put it in writing from the Sioux Falls AFL-CIO, where he was the youngest ever head of a regional AFL-CIO chapter. He's now president of the South Dakota uh, AFL-CIO, and, and he's made huge inroads building solidarity and sort of institutional connections between unions and, and native institutions up there. Uh, and I mean, I, I think that's fantastic. But yeah, sometimes we goof off. So we just did like a debrief with the the Street Fight Boys the day after the election. That was the four-year 
anniversary uh, uh, of a, an episode that we did the very night of as we were sort of getting the results and gearing up for a, oh, geez, more Obama, it's Hillary Clinton, a two-point, blah, 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 you know, the same stuff we're saying now. But back then, you know, it was a, it was a shock, and we sort of captured that as a weird episode, still our most popular episode. Uh and, uh, and and it was also just a different world. Like, back then, it was just them and us and, like, a few other podcasts that people might be familiar with. But, uh, you know, Street Fight really are, like, the, the sort of the Midwestern granddaddies of this left podcasting shit. Oh, yeah. That's, that's true. And I, I appreciate with that show and your show, what, what you're saying is, is focusing a little bit more on action to help things as opposed to just kind of ranting about the bad things. Because as much as that can be like cathartic, and I'm not trying to diss on that. I mean, we we fucking do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's just that sometimes that gets so fucking soul crushing, and you just have nothing to look to as like any sort of escape from this fucking hell world. So I've appreciated between you know your show and Street Fight Show kind of focus on like what workers are doing to organize and like good things that are actually being done by people as opposed to like oh hey here's this new politician oh it turns out they have a bunch of like evil donors behind them or they're a fucking secret fascist. Uh, so I, I really dig that and, and educational in that way as well. Me being somebody, you know, relatively new to the left. Uh, so that, that's awesome. Uh, I was just, I was just listening to which episode was it? I'm pulling up. I'm opening iTunes. I'm editing this part out. Uh, oh, it was the episode on OANN. Oh yeah. Uh, and you mentioned Greg Gutfeld. <laughs> yeah. And how much of a monstrous piece of shit he is. Uh, but even, you know, even in an episode that could have very well devolved into that, uh, we were talking about, uh, with, uh, what was her name for media? Matters. Madeline Peltz. Great, yeah. great friend of the show. Yeah. Uh, like the ways in which media matters is actually like taking action against, um, that kind of propaganda. Yeah. I mean, look, and I, you know, I pressed her on it because obviously to an extent, it looks like Tucker Carlson and, 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 and certainly Hannity and, and Laura Ingram, those sort of like the, the real sort of vanguard of nightly fascism are boycott proof. And, and to the extent that the Murdochs are willing to kind of go out on a limb and eat whatever advertiser losses uh, come from that, which is really most of a concern from, for, for, for Tucker Carlson at this point, just because he honestly, he's fucking smarter and he says more deviously horrible shit and people are now paid to figure it out and make a big fuss about it. So yeah, I mean, to an extent, you can say that that's one of the less important fights, right? There's, it's, it's fine that we, and, and in fact, good that we have people on that and trying to pressure corporations to not advertise on the white power hour. And that still is, you know, something that, that is not to be mocked, right? Like, and, uh, I don't think that the evil that Fox News has done should be minimized anytime soon. But also, at the same time, it's like you can have that conversation and then bracket it and say, like, at the end of the day, we have to deal with a country where people are eating this shit up. And even though Fox News happens to be at a low favorability uh, uh, point with their audience right now, which is Republicans, I, this stuff is cyclical. And I, I don't think that at, at the end of the day, uh, uh, Trump or Tucker Carlson or any of these people uh, have the impression that there is another game in town if you want to be a big Nazi in this country because there isn't. Mm. It shakes, shivers. Think about all these fascists out here. I mean, literally, I, I know it sucks. It, again, we we, sh- we could probably get into the worst of people's you know sexual perversions or whatever, <laughs> and it would still 
be a, a step up in terms of the mood. But truly, like the worst <laughs> thing, it, the only way it could really get worse, I guess, at this point would be if, if you know, we just took a, a radical shift towards like 30s totalitarianism and Fox News became like the Ministry of Culture under a, a military coup government. But again, <laughs> oh, that's God. just like so far removed. They're fine how they are and they're just going to eat whatever shit they get from their audience. Because uh, uh, like fucking, if, have you watched OANN? It's fucking unwatchable. It like, it looks like, uh, it looks like a, a YouTube live stream from the 80s. It's, it, or like, it looks like... Uh, uh, it looks like it's live streamed from the Black Lodge in fucking <laughs> Twin Peaks. Like uh, what they look like when they're when they're you know saying all this shit on uh, on V for Vendetta. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's episodes like that are the ones that I gotta admit they leave me thinking. You know, I don't think boycotts are gonna do it, man. Like there's there's a, a divided country that these reactionary forces have created, and. You know, regardless of where we decide liberals, individual liberals are going to end up on on that side, it's very clear that who is under threat are going to be the most marginalized communities. And, you know, it's not just a bunch of corrupt elites in power. It's also a problem that there are so many people willing to go along with it and will actually just sort of like how fucking racist people are is a problem. I feel like that's become unfashionable to talk about. Uh, on the left because it's seen as sort of a liberal distraction or like fear mongering but i genuinely think that like if when trump isn't in power we still have to deal with the fact that like there's just going to be another trump it's not because trump is like right about something it's because this is a, a a deeply fucked country and sometimes we have to play a little bit more defensively and antagonistically uh, uh than than we do when we look at fascism at you know our the fascism of our fellow americans is as I think some people on the left tend to, and just go, you know, there, but for the grace of God, go I. Mm. I think that's a luxury uh, that a lot of people uh, don't have because they see how dangerous fucking, you know, people are when they're activated by this shit. Right. And I've had that tone and just kind of acceptance of, of ma- more mask off racism than in the past is, I feel like is definitely going to stick around too, Right. How do you how do you reckon you kind of, you know, again, like you said, beyond just like corrupt officials, but more that there's just such a mess of of, of people who are fully indoctrinated into that uh, really racist mindset. Do you think there's a way to turn those people? Do you know what I'm saying? Because like I, I've thought about this with just like, you know, knowing extended family and stuff and, and some of those folks being fashy. I've always wondered, like. Do you think you could reach family members or friends and like through the aggregate of people that makes any difference? Or do you think these people are too far gone? No, I mean, look, uh, I think it's it's on some level, it's important just to start out with the 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 fact that, you know, nobody's saying that race is like a biological construct right like <laughs> and, and I don't think I don't think there's anyone serious on the left who sees the value of like, uh, 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 identity politics who actually believes that race is sort of inherent or biological is definitely not inherent to like your genes, you know, that you like act a certain way. Right. But, um, you know, th- in terms of the social construction of your own identity as like white or black or whatever, that's still very real. And it conditions you to see the world and act on it, you know, in, in, in different ways. And, you know, I, you know, that, that much may be obvious to everyone, but, I think it, it, the reason that this is so uh, uh, important to kind of see and not necessarily even 
first as a what do we do about it but just like let's get a grasp of what's going on i think racism is more than just a like a tool right it emerged out of cultural identifications i think that really like serve to anchor us in an understanding of ourselves and and people want a secure sense of like who they are and who others are and what all the suffering that's associated with life uh uh, uh, means and you know i i I think i definitely you know want to want to say i i do think that uh you know the people who are like oh you're not x so you can't appreciate how bad y is you know like that's you know that, that there are people who take that too far um, but then there are you know, also, yeah, a lot of a problem with a lot of people, you know, who, who aren't X as well as, uh, 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 as well, who are telling, you know, people that Y isn't so bad after all. Right. So you have the problem of tokenism and like, we're seeing that with the, these stupid, uh, uh, Biden appointments as well. Um, but you know, I, I really do think that, uh, at this point, you know, we've seen a lot of liberals kind of moved slightly to the left thanks to the social movements that have been you know unfolding in, in over the past decade i think that those are people that uh, uh are probably at the end of the day uh going to be better allies for us than trying to turn people who 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 are already kind of like deeply in touch with the with the the I'll say this sounds really cynical, but I think there's a certain pleasure in racism. And a lot of people have kind of decided uh, that that is uh, uh, something that is worth defending. That's what all of this political correctness shit is about. That's what all the cancel culture is about. Uh, You know, people want to not be shamed for, uh, for, 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 for the sorts of things that give them pleasure. And a lot of times that does include, you know, making fun of fucking women and minorities. And that's not something that even the left is immune from. That's true. Ah, just got to reach those, like give those people some Kratom in like a, a PS4, play some video <laughs> games or something. Do some not racist shit for fun. You jerks. Yeah. Fucking, what if we just put acid in the water, man? We just get, get everybody <laughs> all freaked out. It's like, figure it out, man. I mean, ex- exactly that. <laughs> I mean, oh, it doesn't work as an electoral strategy either. Trying to trying to reach your opponents where they are to try to flip them. You know, that's the the Democrats no. have been doing that for since the nineties. Uh, yeah, and we see that like you win by slimmer and slimmer margins over time, as opposed to enfranchising people and getting people uh, involved in the process that wouldn't be otherwise. Yeah, I I'm, think. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, I was just going to say, I think that that's a, 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 a that's honestly just a kind of a, a, a trick that uh, some people on the right have pulled on on a lot of people on the left. And maybe our willingness to maybe think that our prejudices or the way that we indulge them in ironic humor or whatever, are OK, that maybe that led us to, to be more uh, uh, open to this. But in the end, I think this sort of this whole idea of like populism being this like thing that is. Indepe- you know, exists independently of whether it's right wing politics or left wing politics. This idea that like people in general in this country uh, uh, aren't represented uh, by you know politics that are like supposedly center left on economics or you know whatever, like kind of uh, social democratic, welfare statist, even socialist if you want to define it broadly, uh, and you know more culturally conservative as they say, or at least not 
going along with like woke culture, which is, I think, uh, problematic for, for all sorts of reasons. But it ends up, ironically, just kind of looking exactly like the 90s neoliberal, neoliberal democratic kind of consensus, which was that, uh, uh, except, I guess, without the, the, the sort of pretense towards socialism, which is that, you know, we're going to go along with uh, uh, basically all of the, the Republican uh, uh, stances on these social issues and it was it, it it's honestly not a, a coincidence that abortion rights are so uh threatened still in this country despite the fact that uh democratic presidents have 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 had the you know have had the bulk of time since the the end of the cold war in office they there's been you know obviously very recent if you want to if you want to really think about it change in terms of gay marriage but but these presidents uh, uh obama certainly clinton held very socially conservative positions on these things they did not do political correctness or identity politics or whatever the fuck and so i think that the idea that this was somehow returning to the core of like what a realistic socialist movement would aim for like appealing to people where they're at and not that this wasn't like triangulation i think was a a a big ruse and uh, i'm sorry to say a lot of people fell for it damn damn we we gotta we gotta talk about dick and farts before (laughs) (laughs) shit yeah i got i got a little sidetrack because i wanted to i wanted to get with the with the questions but this is true. Sometimes we forget that this is a relationship. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm just, you know, I, I I'm going to be honest. I at at first I uh, was like, I don't know why I would do this, right? Because I don't like talking about this stuff at all. Um, I am routinely mocked as sort of prudish, actually, by my friends. Um, but I got to say, I, you know, my girlfriend actually said I should do it. So this is a girlfriend sanctioned podcast appearance. Uh, Is there any other kind, I ask you? But (laughs) one of the conditions of my appearance, of course, is that I I keep my cards kind of close to the chest as far as any personal details about us are concerned. And, you know, the dude is happy to abide. (laughs) Well, Cumorous, do you you have maybe outside of this relationship, do you, per our traditional question on the show, do you have any maybe past dating stories or relationship experiences that were embarrassing that you yeah. could share on the show? So because, of course, I am a fan, I knew this question was coming. And uh, <laughs> I honestly, I don't really have stories that are that embarrassing. I mean, the ones I have are embarrassing, but in like a sad and pathetic way. And like, that's not really good <laughs> radio. So <laughs> I, honestly, I... I'll say I've never really had like cringy date experiences. I feel like most of those date experiences tend to come from the guy being like kind of, you know, out of pocket as the kids say. But uh, (laughs) I feel like when, you know, when, when I'm chill, like there's usually no problem, but there's definitely, you know, weird turns that, that things have, have uh, taken for sure. I, you know, I guess I, I've, I've, I've generally, I'll preface this by saying I've generally been with women who are more on the, shall we say, alternative side, very much in the sort of the uh, Bay Area poly community. Uh, uh, like I said, uh, uh, you know, just kind of like uh, uh, artsy political countercultural spaces are are fantastic. But 
you know, my current girlfriend is, is, you know, definitely like eclectic and worldly, incredibly smart, but just a little more, you know, normie than me. You know how hybrid <laughs> strains of weed are identified as like sativa dominant or indica dominant <laughs> just based on like the approximated percentages <laughs> in the genetics. Uh, she's like a little bit normie dominant or more than me. And that suits me fine, too. But uh, I, 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 did, I have had my brushes with polyamory and with one uh you know, I, it it is it gave me the opportunity to meet a lot of different people that I didn't want to be with, and <laughs> one you yeah. know one woman like. was uh, on the campaign for nobody knew who Tom Steyer was yet, but she was on the she was working for Tom Steyer out of his like office in San Francisco when he was still trying to like impeach the president, and uh-huh. uh, there's a whole you know that didn't go, really go anywhere because I felt like we couldn't talk politics, <laughs> but uh, the probably the weirdest story. Uh, uh, as far as just a Bay Area, you know, special is concerned was I was with a a, a woman and uh, she had a partner who lived out of town. And this was a very, you know, uh, sort of a, a secure relationship as I understood it. And she was just looking for someone to kind of like, you know, pass the time while, while she was there. Right. And eventually it got kind of more than that and that's that's its own issue but even very early on it was clear that I sort of didn't understand what this was all about necessarily because at one point like I met you know a, another woman who was you know also very interesting and I I wanted to kind of see if maybe something uh even more serious than just kind of dating around uh would come of that and so at one point you know, there was a time conflict where I already had, uh, you know, uh, lady number one kind of booked for something. And, and yet uh, it that 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 time slot turned it out to be the only time that I could meet with lady number two. And I sent her uh, lady number one a message saying, you know, I, uh, I, I was hoping we could reschedule for another day because of something. And I may have uh, I don't know how it came out. I, I at some point it was clear uh, uh, that I was just kind of ditching her for another oh, girl. No. And uh, I, so this is, again, this is sort of more embarrassing for me, but I <laughs> uh, uh, was just like, you know what? This, I, I feel like I understood the rules correctly, so I don't see what I did wrong here. Mm-hmm. And she just got mad at me, and I, you know, I've, I just want to say I've learned from this, but I did. I was into writing haikus at the time and then posting them on on, on Twitter. And so I wrote one, uh, and, and I still remember it. Uh, and, and, and it's possible that I would never have published it and nothing would have come of it if it hadn't worked out so perfectly. But uh, uh, here's how it goes. Polyamory. Some people can dish it out. But they can't take it. Oh, <laughs> and was this I, where 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 woman one could see it? Uh, it sure was, and oh. I, uh, you know, I didn't. I, I've grown since then. I just want to say, sure, again. but <laughs> I we've uh, told shameful stories. Oh, yeah. like our, our teenage days. Don't, yeah, don't worry about. Uh, this is yeah, and and I, I definitely you know kind of it, i i i felt like i really hurt her feelings and i was right obviously um and uh, uh you know i wouldn't do it again there are a lot of things i think that any any reasonable person looking back on their love life especially uh you know cis straight guys uh are going to have to say there's a lot of things i would do differently
but yeah. uh, I still think that's a fucking funny haiku. It's pretty And I don't funny. feel as bad it's as I should about it. It's an good haiku. It's something, a beautiful thing coming out of a bad situation. <laughs> that's, how you, kind of, that's how I tried to think of it, too. <laughs> you, uh, you ran into the number one... You would think it would be something a little more serious, but the number one conflict in polyamory tends to be time. Because uh, they say that... Because uh, yeah. I've read The Ethical Slut by Easton and Hardy... You know, I know the basics of polyamory, and they say that love is an infinite resource that you can share your emotional uh, power with uh, with any number of people. And not one hundred percent sure that's correct, but uh, the one thing that you can't absolutely slice indefinitely is time. And right. it's interesting to me that you would that you would run into that off the jump. Yeah, I mean, it's just there are a few good date nights in the week, and that's right. just never going to change. It's like a law of. It's a, that that itself is a law of nature, but uh, yeah, I definitely, I, I I definitely felt at that point that I was like at cross purposes because I was clearly not down with like yeah the ethics of polyamory or whatever. Like I'm not, I don't actually believe any of that stuff. I'm actually on a personal level very sort of temperamentally conservative, and I I see, uh, you know, in a way the time thing is very intuitive for me because I'm very zero sum about. It the sort of energy that I have to expend on people. And maybe it's a factor of mental illness, like, you know, just, just so you don't think I'm a total asshole, but I also <laughs> genuinely don't feel like that there is truth in that, that you can sort of, you know, scrape butter over too much bread as uh, as Bilbo Baggins says and get <laughs> away with it. Especially early on. Like I, I imagine first brush with polyamory like that, you know, especially if it's early on in, in kind of the dating career, it's just like more moving parts. Yeah. And I feel like there's just kind of more possibility for, for screw-ups to happen, which yeah. is like, you know, that, the shit happens. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm in a similar way. We're like, people can do whatever the hell they want to be happy. I know people that that works well for. That's just one of those things I'm too, like, I don't think I could do that. I, yeah. uh, I don't have the attention span for more than one partner. I've figured it out. I'm far too insecure is my problem. I, there's, there's no <laughs> way in hell. That I can like what you 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 talked to another person. <laughs> yeah, no, I I mean I think that's natural because in the end, like people do have their preferences, right? Like I don't even believe parents when they say they don't have a favorite kid. Like, right. I think on some level, like it's we tell each other really useful lies that help us get along with each other, and that's fine. But like then on a relationship podcast, you have to be real. But <laughs> the other, you know, I just didn't date the reason I was relatively I was uh, old enough to have known better at this point, but. It was early in my dating career because I didn't really date much. Uh, I had one girlfriend at the like towards the end of high school, my senior year of high school, and I, I and I dated somebody else that I was crazy about uh, my senior year of college, and then I went away and sort of like nothing came of that in the end. Well, something did, but uh, it involves you know Nebraska and five ferrets and dropping out of grad school. But that's a different <laughs> story. The the sort of the the uh, cock block, I guess. Uh, uh, stories in a way were sort of as formative because I ended up. This is embarrassing in 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 now more in a way that's embarrassing for I guess for for other people. But I'm still the victim, just so everyone's clear. Uh, the f- first time I actually really tried to um, pursue a romantic interest in undergrad was with a a a, a young woman who uh, eventually clearly picked up that I was interested was clearly also interested because she sort of followed up on it with me 
uh, one night just kind of came to my room when the par- there was a party next door that I had left and was like, I uh, know, you know, you're into me and I'm into you, but we can't uh, be together because my family is racist. And oh, I was like, uh, I was like, well, prove it to me. <laughs> I was like, I want to hear something <laughs> racist. And, uh, she, you know, she obviously wouldn't indulge me, but she did uh, 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 tell me that they played, uh, that her grandparents played Spot the Terrorist at the airport. Uh, oh, and, uh, and, and you know, I, 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 even if she had not personally been tainted by that, I think that clearly it was something that she wasn't comfortable. Uh, she wasn't going to die on that hill, if you will. And... Sure. Uh, that hurt me a lot and it also gave me a great excuse because then for from then on whenever a white girl didn't want to date me i was like oh fucking racist and uh (laughs) there was a kind of a in an odd way there was a complimentary experience later when i moved to uh the bay area and i was like oh you know i can't really date a lot of uh, uh women who are also iranian american because of just frankly the dominant diaspora culture tends to be very just like you know, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the show Shaws of Sunset, but it's very like it's very like Kardashian. It's very like mm. you know, uh, 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 maybe uh, uh, the Jersey Shore, but like a couple socioeconomic ladders up. Uh, like if their parents were all dentists or something. And <laughs> it, fancy Jersey. Yeah, th- it, that's basically what Los Angeles Iranians are like. And uh, again, I don't recommend the show. I actually sort of prefer being represented by t- terrorists exclusively on American television. <laughs> but uh, but but it is out there, and it does document the way that actually most, I would say, mainstream kind of affiliated uh, Iranian Americans are. And so I happen to find uh, a, a, a young woman through... Uh, actually activism her sister had been a comrade of mine in uh, nyu when i was doing palestine solidarity activism there and sort of it was again at this one of these points early on where i was like i'll try anything whatever and uh, so she hooked me up with her older sister and uh we went for a few dates and i was kind of into it and, and she was honestly kind of shocked at like that just like that i kind of knew how to listen and stuff like that that just came from like kind of being alienated as a kid and like more being friends with women and 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 learning how to you know basically just kind of like be by myself a lot and like know what works and what doesn't um and she seemed kind of impressed with that but i think that it was only i only really skated by on manners because by the end of the fourth date she was like i can tell that you are very sweet yeah i can tell you've been hurt before and but I got to tell you, I just, I can't date an Iranian guy. And it's just, it's because, it was because of the exact same kind of stereotype that I was avoiding, that I was sort of the, I considered myself kind of the polar opposite of. But She thought you were the fancy Iranian shore guy as well? Yeah, I mean, she was, <laughs> she was Iranian American as well. And so she was like, I just can't, it comes with too much baggage, I guess, is it was her problem. But she was like, in a way, maybe, the, again, this was her, like, weird, these could both, honestly, be really fucked up, like, some some really fucked up person's idea of letting someone down easy. They both, honestly, could be the racism <laughs> and the, the not wanting to date inside your community. But this girl clearly knew exactly what uh, uh, most Iranian guys were like, and she couldn't, like, separate me from that. Wow. And, uh... Uh, 
I, I was again very sort of like, well, damn, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> and uh, it at the end of the day, the answer is always just fucking wait until something else happens because that's that's just how this exactly. shit works. Exactly, and and be cool, you know, being by yourself in the meantime, so you're not uh, you don't got too much pressure on it with you. Well, hey, though, those, I don't think those are particularly embarrassing stories. So, uh, Kimaris, I think you're probably a good person to help us answer relationship <laughs> questions. Well, let's hope so. You haven't done, you've got no, your embarrassing past, you, you handled it well, uh, even, even back then. You know, we've, we've had some stories on here that, you know, somebody tells the story and then it's like, well, what if they give advice and it leads to the same story? <laughs> Oh, yeah, I heard the John McAfee episode. (laughs) You don't want people getting arrested in Bolivia or whatever. (laughs) Dominican Republic. Well, we have, uh, we got some, we got some Reddit questions here, and we got something in the question box, and we have one that, pun intended, is incredibly seasonal, so we're going to get into it. Seasonal affective disorder affecting relationship. I, 27F. Suffer from sad around this time of year, and lately it has been affecting my relationship. I start to feel irritated towards my SO, 31M, and want to spend most of my time alone. We don't live together, so it's easy to go for a while without seeing each other. Any tips for how to ease the irritation and spend time with him without getting so annoyed and angry? I already use a blue light, take vitamin D, eat healthy, exercise, etc., all the things the sad info pages recommend, but I'm looking for ideas of how I can specifically work to be less annoyed in my relationship for no reason. TLDR, how do you deal with irritation related to depression towards an SO? And that was posted by like seven numbers in a row. That's the username. <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah. I think we're, I, I've dealt with the sad. Arthur, I know you deal with the sad. I got, you a sad I, fella too? I mean, I, 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 I'm a lowercase sad guy. I, I feel like I am, you know, I've been struggling with depression. I've sort of clinically since my early teen years. And if anything, you know, I kind of get used to things kind of being horrible. I almost catastrophize <laughs> just year round. And so I, I, I gotta admit, uh, I actually kind of like it when it gets dark early in the winter, like in the Midwest where the weather was shitty just all the time. Night yeah. was like the great equalizer, right? <laughs> you can't tell how gray it is all day when everything looks like a fucking neo-noir cyberpunk dystopia. But, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I really... I haven't really missed the seasons, I have to say, since I moved out to California. So I, I, I could really give a fuck about it, like a leaf turning brown or whatever, right? Maybe if they turn <laughs> something, you know, more exciting, like hot pink or Carmelo Anthony blue. But Once fall gets its <laughs> shit together and upgrades its style for the modern time. <laughs> exactly, then maybe I'll fuck with it. <laughs> uh, Arthur, you got any sad techniques? Uh, your advice seems to be to lean into this a little bit. Look, my, I guess my, yeah, my, my, my issue is, is that you got to have these defense mechanisms all the time if you got you have sort of chronic depression. And so I don't necessarily know what the best advice is for people that, uh, you know, ha- only feel like this is something they have to manage actively part of the year. Again, I'm, sa- I'm trying to say this in the least sort of obnoxious way. Like, you get to have your thing, too. But it's, 
it's some it's something where I'm like, well, I orient my entire life around minimizing fucking you know irritation with other people, and like I don't, I it's almost like trying to give someone a, a advice on how to struct you know structurally reform something that they might only be willing to tinker at. But I definitely think that it, as a general thing, the best thing um, to do is to not be like to give yourself an outlet, and and that's how I treat my chronic depression. Is I'm in therapy whether I feel that I'm in crisis or not because there's always something uh, that therapy, at, at least with a good therapist who isn't a fucking idiot that where you can get some real release out of it. It can be a release valve for you and letting your irritation sometimes even with, if it is genuinely something that that other person is doing, uh, vocalizing it to somebody else, thinking about it in that distance, critical way can just help you. Honestly, it can help you get over it. Like there's no other way around it sometimes that like, if you are annoyed by people, you're annoyed by people. And if your mental illness makes it worse, that's how it is. And if you feel like it's something that you can get over, that it's not this person just being, you know, too annoying, like everyone is like too annoying for Seinfeld, right? Like, but he never really tries to work it out in couples therapy. And in this case, you got to try to work it out in singles therapy or, you know, just on your own. And uh, then maybe bring it to a, a, you know, a couple's professional but i'm a i'm a big believer that you can't fight this stuff on your own can't uh i think it's got to be structured fun uh i think that if you come over to each other's place you know one of you goes to the other's place uh with no agenda in mind and no activity then it's just gonna be like what do you want to do well what the fuck do you want to do you know what i mean like i think that that's the right. beginning of a lot of this irritation so if you can have like a plan in place for when you're going to spend time together uh, then you can kind of like revert to the plan when the irritation starts to set in. We're going to get takeout. We're going to watch Mandalorian. We're going to fuck. Mm. So you, That's like, that good shit. Yeah. So you get the takeout. You eat the takeout. They say something irritating about dinner. You're like, we're just going to watch Mandalorian here in a little bit. I can get the rid of this. It's going to be okay. I'm going to watch Mandalorian here soon. I'm going to see that. Baby they have to be Yoda. chill about it, though. Not pointing out the plot holes like some people. Oh, for sure. <laughs> That's for after. <laughs> That's for your stupid YouTube commentary. <laughs> when the lizard gets out of the out of the hot spring, her clothing goes on way too fast. Like there's no way that she could have gotten dressed that quickly. No, it's true. You don't know anything about how lizards dress themselves. So how are there only gonna be two ice spiders too? Seriously. Like Right. Fine. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think that though, just having having something to to focus on, I think, yeah. can kind of pull you away from the the little things you might attach to. Yeah, uh, I definitely. I mean, I, I get this too. A big moment for me with the irritation was just. I mean, and it's not the same for everybody, but I realized for me that like I tend to get irritated when I'm anxious mm. and when it's like the really bad irritation. As opposed to, like, before, I'd just be like, oh, why the fuck? Like, fuck this. I feel so fucking off. And you just kind of lash out because you don't know what's going on. I, I kind of had more like, oh, this is just anxiety doing its thing. It's going to go away. I'm just going to kind of try to to try to ride it out. Yeah. And kind of framing it more as that, that that seemed to help me not get, like, as caught up in it. Um, so, I, I mean, maybe maybe it's a little something along along those lines with it. It just... 
in QMARS, as you were saying, I think therapy can be a really good structured way to, you know, you have somebody who's a professional with that kind of thing to, to walk you through. And you also have some accountability. Um, yeah. But just kind of exploring where that's coming from. I also should say, I I think obviously therapy isn't like the most immediate or practical in terms of what people can sometimes afford or whatever. The truth is that like the best thing you can do if you know that you're struggling with mental illness and it's affecting how you're acting towards your partner is to tell them, right? Like to be communicative and to be like, I feel like I'm having an episode or whatever. And like, if you're dating somebody who is going to be healthy for you to be around when you're struggling with this stuff, then they are going to make an effort too. And they're, you have to acknowledge that they are going to have to make an effort and that it should be appreciated. But also like you're, you deserve that if, uh, if you really are going through something and, and, and don't want to take it out on somebody that, 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 you know, you don't have to let it poison your relationship with them. And if you That's do, if too. you do lash out, just look at him and say, oh, sorry, serotonin machine broken. <laughs> yeah, we acknowledge that. that mental illness is like a thing now, right? Like, yeah. so let's just kind of follow through the logical things and say, look, it's it's honestly not all you. And even if to the extent that it is, like, you gotta be open and talk it out. There's no whether it's with a therapist, whether it's with the person. Neither is a substitute for the other, by the way. But right. that kind of communication, and I mean, we often don't even know what we think until we try to articulate it. Yup. Also, a very good point. I think that just prevents too, because you know, any any conflict that came out of this, if you weren't communicating, is obviously going to make things worse. So just kind of getting the cards on the table and mm-hmm. making sure that you know, if you snap at your partner, you're having a fucking rough time. You know, you can talk about it then, and it's not like why the fuck did she snap at me? And then you just don't talk for a while or something. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I think getting it out on the table, focus focus some personal development on the side there there too and uh you know we'll we'll make it through this the sun will also come back at some point and uh keeping that in the back of my mind uh, that can be a, a little bit helpful too when you're really getting down and it feels like the night will never end it's true uh we are actually less than a month from the winter solstice we are less than a month till the days start getting longer it, again we're gonna make it uh, uh, i can't wait i have a i have an important question for you fellas what do you got why am i so obsessed with breeding king <laughs> hi i'm 18f you should have said f18 because then i could have said fighter jet <laughs> and as of recently i've become spellbound by the idea of my boyfriend breeding me coming inside me relentlessly and using me as a flashlight almost i have to assume she means flashlight yeah gotta be <laughs> i'm consumed by the idea i love thinking about being filled with his cum and it is beginning to drive me crazy Due to UK lockdown 2.0, we haven't seen each other since the beginning of the month, and I get to see him in six days. All I can think about him is pushing me against the wall and fucking me like I'm nothing but a breeding bank. Is that bad? <laughs> Posted by <laughs> Love Yourself First, please. No, I just shit. I gotta say, I don't know what a breeding bank is, but I think there needs to be some federal regulation. Uh, Elizabeth <laughs> Warren needs to get on that. Nationalize the breeding banks. FDIC insured breeding bank. Firm dick breeding. Nothing. That's nothing. Uh, we, we got the general concept out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I don't, I don't think this is bad. That's, that's like a pretty, that's a pretty common fetish. I mean, I think a big part of that is because, like, 
And that's the biological drive for sex is like the coming inside and the tempting impregnation. I'm sure there's like some element of it that's kind of just uh, hardwired into us. Um, but again, like there's nothing wrong with it. It, it, it. It's it's just a kink that's out there. And as long as you're not having crazy unprotected sex, like you're you're kind of you got to find a way to engage with this fantasy without actually doing all the coming or right. work out some kind of birth control situation. Diet breeding uh, kink. Yeah, but as long as you're doing that, I mean, shit, that's that's good times. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these kinks are just sort of like. Uh, 1950s gender roles like enacted between consenting adults yeah uh it seems like it in a way like there's yeah i I actually didn't know this was a common kink or maybe i'm just not understanding the nuances but the idea of like yeah just we're doing it just for reproduction or whatever and i'm like a slave or i'm like shit to you or whatever that yeah that seems pretty common and also just like how things actually used to be and so it's <laughs> kind of it, it in a way i think it does tell us something humbling but also something that we shouldn't draw political conclusions about necessarily uh about what turns us on right that that sometimes it is things that sound bad if you're not like actively using it to get enjoyment and it's not hurting anybody right and yeah i, I would bet this is kind of BDSM adjacent uh, to, I, I, I feel like that's where I kind of see this the most. Cause there's definitely, there's definitely an element of just kind of like a, a dominant feeling to doing the actual coming inside and like continuing. It sounds like continuing on with that. Keep trying to come. Um, you know, there, there's definitely kind of a submissive aspect to that. I would also wonder you know, if you're kind of finding this is something you're into, maybe something in that realm. Uh, you know, there's resources out there, kink websites. We talked about subreddits, you know, all, all kind of places. And I think within those communities, you'd find people who have experience with this. Uh, so you could both like get ideas of how to like make this fulfilling, but also like, you know, make sure you're doing it safely. Yeah. <laughs> probably some handmaid's tale, uh, <laughs> porno right now you could get some tips from hand job tail <laughs> probably <laughs> uh, no. uh, get the red dress with the bonnet uh oof. i feel like this this post is one one degree of stylization away from that <laughs> yeah watch the handmaid's tale too and that might do it for you honestly strange feelings yeah maybe uh maybe seek out that <laughs> The hand job's tail. <laughs> Watch it with your partner. Feel like we got to do this. <laughs> Fuck. All right, we uh, good. I mean, good luck out there with with that one though. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, shit. It, nothing wrong with it. Get excited about it. No. Fucking a, fetishes are fun. Different hey, strokes for different folks, truly. And many strokes for this one, folks. <laughs> it's the question box now. Asking all the questions. That time of the show where you, the listener, you can send questions into us. We'll read them. We'll answer them. If you'd like to send some questions to us, if you're listening right now and you're like, damn, I have a kink. I want to know if it's bad. Uh, you can go to our <laughs> website, rftb.me, as in me, and uh, click that link for the question box. It's anonymous. You don't have to make an account. Type your question in. We'll read it on the show. And uh, this week, we just have some commentary. Uh, last week... Uh, we were talking about 
you know, fucking music. What's like your best kind of sex songs? What our go-tos were. We played some clips. Uh, we have somebody writing in best music for fucking Portishead's album. Dummy start to finish. Love the show. Love you. Yeah. Thank you. And good fucking album choice. I can't believe I didn't think of that. I, uh, I haven't fucked with Portishead. I don't know. I don't know about, I don't know what they're about. I'm extremely surprised with your kind of, uh, like music interests. That's definitely in your wheelhouse. Okay. Might have to check it out. It's sexy and kind of scary at the same time. Like me. Yeah. <laughs> like when I get right up on this microphone like that. <laughs> sexy and kind of scary. That's exactly the tone of the album. <laughs> Kumar, are you familiar with this one? I, I mean, yeah, I know Portishead, but like, I just can't imagine getting off to like rock and roll, I guess. Like, <laughs> to me... Uh, I I don't I don't personally like listening to music when I'm doing it necessarily. It sort of you know it it, 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 it sometimes it can just get, you know get you sort of in your own head. And I especially uh, don't like listening to. I mean, this, obviously I know uh, uh, this doesn't apply, uh, uh, but I, I don't like uh, listening to dudes sing during sex. And again, this mm, is like true. my awful sort of aggressive heterosexuality. But like, I just can't. I'm like who is this fucking guy? Like, I'm just supposed to think about him while I'm done. Like, what? <laughs> quiet like, over there, over there. With the exactly. Quiet hey, down. fucking quiet down, Scott. Stop <laughs> trying to get off. Exactly. And so sometimes, but you know, uh, uh, and, and, and I, you know, I, I've had, uh, women who, uh, 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 I've had relationships with women who like doing it too. Honestly, pretty much just SZA. But there's a, wide, a large number of women who like doing it to SZA and Kehlani. Uh But that's just a, that says probably more about the music preferences of, of you know, uh, artsy chicks in the Bay Area. But, <laughs> you know, I, it's, it's OK. You know, it's OK. But it's just something I tolerate. The one kind of iconically bad and it was only good because I was really, really wanted to do it <laughs> with this girl was one time. uh I did it to Bon Iver, like that first album, <laughs> and it was entirely not my choice. But somehow, I was able to uh, perform, and uh, and and I'm still not quite sure how I did it. But we uh, salute your perseverance for that, accommodating <laughs> was, your partner. It was a day that will that will stand in infamy. <laughs> Got a couple more here in the question box. This next one go like this. Hi! Hello. Hello. I am currently unemployed, broke, and desperately lonely. I, 24M, am currently stuck living with my parents in the middle of nowhere where there's no jobs or people to see. I feel like my brain is pouring out of my ears and the depression is real. Do you have any advice for someone in need of companionship and love? Thanks, you, handsome kings. Oh, I like this guy. Yeah. He seems like he's, he's going places. <laughs> recognizing us as uh calling us hot i'll appreciate that he's got great taste got a good eye for an up-and-comer if you ask me <laughs> yeah that that uh that fucking sucks though yeah i'm sorry to hear you're going through that because like the the worst thing on top of depression because you can get depression anywhere you can get depression you're still going through your life and stuff yeah. But the depression where you have nothing to do and so you just get stuck focusing on the depression is no. the worst fucking yeah. kind. It's and it just shit. keeps snowballing and, and spiraling. Uh, and it's fucking terrible. So, like, 
again, first off, sorry you're feeling like this, but just know that like that's totally normal. It's totally understandable right now. Uh, but what what do we do to what do we do to pull you out of this spiral? Because I think all of us have been there. I I had almost this identical thing happen. I think I was twenty six, twenty five, twenty six. I moved in with my folks uh, in a suburban hellscape. Uh, I had been living in Columbus. I had like tons of friends. I couldn't go anywhere without seeing somebody that I knew. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, To nothing and no one. Uh, And what saved me was getting in touch with old friends via um, uh, PlayStation Network, actually, uh, which is sort of the genesis of this podcast. Uh, It's true, including me. Yeah. Uh, So if you have any way of getting in touch with um, people from afar and getting involved with activities with them, be it video games or maybe even fuck it, it, start a podcast. Yeah, any any kind of personal project, too, or like even a remote project with friends or something, just some kind of task you enjoy doing to put some energy in, you know, that always makes me feel feel a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it, it, I, there are probably multiple things that have saved me, but definitely being into politics is something that I'm not going to, like, ever really be able to disassociate from dealing with mental illness because I only feel like I really got involved in activism so early because I was kind of socially alienated. And, like, that's kind of – that's a dumb stereotype about activists, but also it's true sometimes that, you know, it is just, like – if you don't necessarily feel like everything's okay, uh, one way that you channel that, even when you're very young and don't actually understand the basics uh, of, of, of you know, the theory or whatever behind any of this shit, you kind of get used to the sense that something is wrong and it needs to be fixed. And in a way, my only real kind of hope and structure kind of came from being in those kind of spaces. Even early on before I like was in college and uh, you know, started blogging about how fucking, you know, bad Obama was or whatever. It's like, if you, you know, want to locate, I think, the most radical people in any of these, and you're talking about Ohio, I did in downstate Illinois, it was pretty bleak too. The only place you're going to find people who are kind of politically enlightened in that way is like in the punk scene, or at least back then. Uh, I don't know about now, frankly. Um, but the uh, truth was that as a high schooler in the, you know, middle of, nowhere at least we were we were supposed to be the big city in the middle of nowhere but you know i'm from champaign illinois the the other paris of the midwest besides <laughs> paris illinois if the, if the wine's not from there it's not really <laughs> yeah. it's only prosecco yeah i guess you could say i'm a real champagne socialist but it was you know it was a real it was a real you know it was also easy to be an anti-war kid when your parents were all like foreign and shit but um i i definitely felt like I finally fit in when I stopped trying to, you know, be be whatever I thought was, you know, be one of the popular kids or whatever. Like, I gave up that myth, like, in high school at, at a certain point and was like, you know what? You know who likes me? Fucking weird people. And maybe that means I'm weird. And so and they were definitely the people that, like, drank and, and smoked with cigarettes, as they say. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they were the only people I didn't dig really dig their aesthetic or the frankly, the music. But it was like. It was a formative experience to just, like, be there, be appreciated, you know, be around people who had, like, tattoos about how they were vegan and, you know, like, and all this cool shit. And, you know, you could just be 
getting blasted, uh, at, you know, drinking out of a, a keg in, 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 uh, in someone's kitchen and, and just hear, you know, someone yelling from the, the basement where everyone's moshing is, you know, this one's about heteronormativity. And it was <laughs> a, a unique place in a, an otherwise milk toast liberal or just deep red kind of state conservative depending on which part of town you were in uh, a midwestern college town yeah and i think just finding a people a group of people like that too who kind of share your values and even just recognize the same problems that you recognize can also just make you feel a little less alone when that stuff feels just really overpowering uh, just yeah. to know other people you know are thinking the same way and trying to do something about it you know, contribute in the way that you can. Um, I think, and that kind of falls under the personal project stuff too, where you're, you're creating something, you're working on something that you can feel good about on top of that. Um, obviously, you know, right now, not as easy to, to go physically meet people probably should not do that yet. Um, but fucking look on, go on Tinder even. Even without the plan of like meeting people in person and just like chat with some people, do some flirting over text. Yeah, uh, I, just I know it's whatever... easier said than done, but I, I honestly think that might be liberating in a way that you don't yeah. kind of have to. You can you can honestly just kind of chill and chat with people. Not again, not that anyone really enjoys that, but as far as feeling connected <laughs> with people, shit. Like you know, you can sort of defer the rejection almost forever if you're charming enough. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. I think I just, yeah, it's just it, it, it's something like that too. Even if it's just mild flirting and it yeah. goes nowhere, like that's just a fun boost too. You remind yourself there's, there's fucking cute people out there. And, uh, and one of them is you. This is true too. This is true. That's right. The, the boy or the girl or the non-binary pal, uh, reading this. <laughs> I will say uh my my personal experience with this was actually uh like earlier this year in the end of last year in Portland. I was working out there, uh lost the contract we were on. I was like benched for a fucking long time, not doing anything. It got extremely bleak, got laid off, COVID hit, beginning of this year. Fucking terrible. I wouldn't be surprised if that's playing into the shit you're going through too. Um Besides the stuff that Arthur was saying about just finding through video games or, or whatever you want to do, just finding some way to socialize online, just something to do with friends and chat with them, even if you can't be in person, that's helped me a ton. And uh, this this one might be this might be a little trite. Uh, I think people kind of use this as a cure all for everything, but I would recommend meditation. I've had some luck with that. Um, I don't think you can kind of go into that with the idea that you're going to do this and then it's going to fix things. But I, I think there's something to be said. I, I had a moment in all of that when I just got, it was in, I was having one of the worst anxiety attacks of my life. I'm in this apartment by myself. I'm just feeling like fucking garbage. And I had this moment where I just kind of sat down and instead of like trying to force myself feel better, I was like, I'm going to try to figure out like where I'm feeling this inside of me. I'm going to try to like, what like what is happening here? I want to like assess the damage of like this depression right now. And I found kind of like just taking some time every day to just kind of feel whatever was sitting with me and kind of like listen to it. It helped kind of deal with it and, and make it not as jarring and, and not just kind of come up uh randomly as much. Um 
because I feel like it could be easy just to be like, I'm going to fight to feel better no matter what. You keep pushing that stuff. You keep trying to push it down and it's just going to pop up, you know, when you're at your lowest again. Um, so I, I think there's something to be said for, for something like that and just kind of trying to just kind of learning to sit with this and, you know, know that it's okay to feel like this, even if it doesn't feel okay, that, uh, you know, you're, there's nothing wrong with you or anything like that. This is just a phase that's happening right now. It feels like this. Know it. And then hopefully, you know, down the line, you uh, you just kind of get better at dealing with it. Fuck yeah. Also get a cat. Yeah. You got big, a cat? Can you get a cat? Big advice. That's been huge too. <laughs> I've been living alone for like three years, just having a cute little animal with you. That's something you could do, you know, that, that, that's a little boost too. Um, but yeah, I mean, regardless, again, we're sorry to hear you're going through this. It fucking sucks. Uh, but just know that, you know, there's people out there have been through this too. And it, it, you know, it does get better. Even if it kind of sits with you, you're going to get better at dealing with this. You're not going to be stuck there, uh, for the rest of your life. Um, so I just kind of see, see what good you can get out of this in the meantime. Uh, I think we got one more in this box, Donovan. We do. And I think you're gonna I think you're gonna read it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, Nostradamus? <laughs> Puts the envelope up to his head. Alright. Hello. Hello. Hello to you too. I gotta say hi back every time. Me too. I love your show and I have finally worked up the courage to ask my question. Good on you. This is a vulnerable subject to talk about, so bear with me. I'm beginning to experience some new feelings during sex, and I don't know what to do about it. I'm in a long-term relationship with my partner. We've been together for a very long time, but I just recently came out as non-binary. My partner has been literally amazing and so supportive of me, and has just been absolutely wonderful throughout this time. But sometimes, when I go to be intimate with him, I feel a disconnect with my woman body. Sometimes it makes me feel like I need to cry, but I just hold it back. But most of the time, it just 100% kills the mood for me. I'm nervous to talk to my partner about this because I don't want him to feel like he's doing anything wrong. I'm not sure if it's something I should even bring up or if I should work through these feelings on my own. Is this a normal thing to happen to people or is it just me? What do we think? I think that... As opposed to trying to dismantle what's going on with you and your emotions in this moment and try to like figure out, well, you know, this disconnect you feel with your body is, is because of this and you should do this. I think what we should focus more on is what to do in the immediate about the feeling like breaking down. And I, the number one thing that you should do is not have sex if you're not feeling like it. That's thing one. Um, so you go to be intimate, you feel this disconnect with your body, you feel like you need to cry, don't just hold it back. Um, I would say let it out, feel your emotions, and discuss what you're feeling with your partner, even if you're afraid. Because if if he's been very supportive and very good through this time, then uh, I said he, but my partner, you didn't gender your partner, they... Um, if they've been supportive through all this time, I don't see why they wouldn't be supportive through this. Right. And I, yeah. and I, 
I understand kind of getting that sense though, like, oh, but I don't want to like make him feel bad because because he's been so good. Uh, but you got to reckon like you you tell him something like this if you kind of let him know all of these things that are that are kind of going on with you. I, I can't imagine they'd be like, oh, I, they'd be like getting down on themselves and thinking they did something, uh, something wrong there. Uh, cause it's, I mean, it sounds like, you know, they've, they've been pretty good in the past. I, I think getting that across to them, like Arthur's saying, even though it's scary, it's, it's going to make things just a bit easier in the long run too. Cause you, you know, it, the, you're figuring stuff out, you know, it's, it's complex to kind of think through those things by yourself and it can get overwhelming. And uh, to have somebody you can trust to kind of open up about that, even if it's scary, um, I, I I just think that's really helpful. I mean, it just makes it a lot easier. And, you know, it, it lets him kind of understand what's going on, too. Uh, so it just doesn't seem like, you know, you're having this rough time and he gets worried and doesn't know what's going on. Um, but, it's you know, it's also nervous. To, you know, it's also normal to feel like nervous about this and like how to address it. And I haven't gone through that experience personally, so. Um, I, I, but I'm gut feeling, I just think you should talk to him about it. Yeah. I mean, I just couldn't be less qualified to opine about this, but I does sound like communication is the best policy here, especially given, you know, that it sounds like, you know, you don't have anything to worry about with regard to, you know, your sexuality and your gender identity kind of causing a, a, a clash here. I think that's, that's, that's all stuff you you know you you can't you can't suffer through alone if you if you're feeling confused or or uh you know insecure because it sounds like your partner is 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 down for the long haul yeah absolutely i i think too the the crying fact you were talking about specifically it seems like that's what they're kind of worried about um their partner thinking they're doing something wrong i mean that that that's happened. I've experienced that with partners. Yeah. I don't think that's a particularly uncommon thing. Sometimes sex gets really emotionally intense and it just kind of hits you like that. Yeah. Um, I honestly think this goes back to the, the same question about being irritable or whatever, because of, you know, uh, depression. Like, I think that, uh, if it is, you know, an issue where, you know, you, you feel like you, uh, are just not able to, uh, uh, you know, deal with it, then the answer is really that you can't deal with it by yourself. And you kind of have to to let the other person into it and, uh, and, and, you know, make sure that that you are communicating, because if you, you know, if you don't, then, 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 yeah, that you are going to have your sort of doubts and resentments might start to grow. But the crying, you know, you got you, you can't see that again, like a, a partner that understands um, not just mental illness, but you know all these complexities of 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 of, of you know gender identity and all, uh, all this stuff. It's like you you have to be ge- generous enough as a just as a, at a base level to see that not as a manifestation of this person's like eternal subconscious judgment of you, but as this is I'm I'm with a person who is going through some serious shit. And is dealing with some shit. And if that person is reconciled that with themselves, then 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 you know you should you should take comfort in that. Absolutely, especially now too. You know, I, I assume you're able to see your partner more frequently than like most people. Uh, I feel like now more than ever, just having somebody right there to lean on and and be open with these things about 
is just going to make it easier, even if it's scary in the short term, to kind of work up the courage to talk to him about it. I, you know, I think in the long run, that's that's definitely just the easier option. Yeah. As far as if this is a normal thing that that happens to people, you know, I can't personally speak to that. Um, but I, I have friends who are who are non-binary, and you know, talking to people like that, I, it's just there's kind of a process of of figuring these things out. Like this is new territory for you, and so I, I just. I don't don't like get down on yourself or worry if like you're doing it right or you're doing it normal as long as you're just kind of communicating like what's going on with you and uh just kind of figuring it out as as you go along like there's there's nothing wrong with that either right. you know none of these cases work exactly the same like everybody's interactions are going to be a di- bit different everybody ex- everybody's experience with kind of processing their gender identity is going to be different uh so don't you know don't worry about it you're doing fine yeah it's a normal thing for you and yes. whatever you got going through, whatever you're going through, it's uh, a part of your experience. So. Right. And I, I, I just, but based on the rest of what you're saying here, I just to maybe give you some reassurance. I, I get the sense that your partner is going to be very cool with this. And I, I think this might fall uh, more into just some anxiety because, you know, it is, it is scary to talk about that for the first time. Um, may I, may I, um, I have a confession to make, um, <laughs> to you guys Uh-oh. um i'm gonna go way back for a joke like way back uh-oh um i've been scrolling through my facebook trying to find something that i did years ago because i too used to write haikus haikus and post them <laughs> on uh social media and i i found it i found the, okay, the let's nugget. Hear it. Ooh, this will boost you question asker arthur's haiku chocolate milkshakes when I imbibe too many, my stool becomes loose. <laughs> Beautiful. I forgot about Arthur's past as a uh, as a literary luminary. He's a fucking poet. <laughs> that was beautiful, Arthur. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm glad you were able to dig that up. Like an archaeologist uh, finding them precious relics from the past. We have found... <laughs> This rusty but still serviceable haiku. Scatological <laughs> archaeology. It's a it's a new, new emerging subfield. Yes, it's a it's an exciting discipline, and I'm emerging uh, from down under. I'm privileged to be a part of it. Well, it emerged a little bit, and then it went back in, and then it emerged a little bit more, and then it went back in. Oh no! Do chocolate milkshakes really give you the shits? Oh yeah, you get the sugar shits, baby. Sugar shits. You ever heard of that? People's know, digestive know, systems are just so wildly different. I it's true. Honestly, true. I never have any idea what people are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I maybe got a touch of the lactose problems, too. So. That's true. That's like, yeah, that's pretty heavy dairy thing. That fucks my stomach sometimes, yeah. too. But I usually just get the farts, not so much the uh, the Lucy's. Oh, it gets oof. <laughs> I'm vegan, so when I, uh, you know, have a whole, you know, an awful stool, I have no one to blame but myself, really. So, so you could say broccoli florets. When I imbibe too many, my stool becomes this. <laughs> Damn you, green giant! <laughs> Good fucking times. Well, fuck, folks. I think we've come uh, to the end of the road. Still, I can't. Let go. Beautiful, our... multi-talented Renaissance man. Poetry, relationship questions, music. He's got what it can't all. he do? <laughs> he 
Kumars, thanks so much for being with us. Oh, it was my pleasure. I honestly, uh, it, this is I've never done anything like this. I'm not sure I will again, but I, I couldn't <laughs> have been in the company of two finer fellows. Oh, thank oh, you so thank much. Thank you. No, you were, you were excellent. Oh, um, I bet you say that to all the girls. <laughs> <laughs> only the ones who, uh, only the ones who are uh, complimentary towards us. We're gonna, we're gonna pass it back. Uh, I will ask now that you plug your pluggables, please. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, we do bonus episodes occasionally. Let's say monthly. We're really trying to get that back on track now that uh, my co-host Rokea is back from her hiatus. Uh, she was kidnapped by emus. Don't ask. But uh, we do these episodes often uh, on more frivolous topics uh, than we get to uh, uh, than we get to on the the the, the regular show. But they they include you know interviews with some of your favorite left wing media personalities like the aforementioned Street Fight Boys and many others. But you can also uh, sample our wares by finding the free weekly show at deleteyouraccount.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com or wherever pods are cast. Fuck Good yeah. fucking times. Thank you again. QR has been great talking to you. And folks, check out that show. Uh, good people, as you can tell. Some other good people are the people that do our intro song, which is the song Hanging On. And those people I mentioned, it's the band Knower. You can find their music at knowermusic.bandcamp.com. And our outro song is a song Stephanie by the Hayfellows. You can find it at Instagram.com slash the Hayfellows or on Spotify. Three words for the Hayfellows. Somebody just told me Stephanie is not on Spotify, by the way. What? And uh, I know because it was a pre-release track or something. I messaged Uh, Max about it and uh, he he was able to like get that over to that person. So if you're out there and you're like, I want that song, uh, you know, hit, hit him up at the Hayfellows. I, I, I got to convince the guy just to put it up, though. It's such a good song. Hold on, I'm writing a haiku real quick. Oh, no. <laughs> Qmars, what have you done? He's going to be stuck on this bit for months. <laughs> yes, the Hayfellows. And also, Nowhere are great. I love you. Thanks. Bye. Wow.